Coming up today on the Missions Podcast, we talk to a frontlines missionary in Ukraine about what they're seeing on the ground. Psalm 31 has this amazing statement in it from David in Psalm 31, verse 13, where he says, everyone is saying terror on every side. And I'm just like, oh, man, this is like this is describing our situation here. Like David experienced this. He knew this. And yet at the same time, even in that psalm, you kind of catch this idea that that's what everybody's saying. But it might not actually be exactly that way in real life. Caleb Suko, ABWE worker in Ukraine, joins us today. Welcome to the Missions Podcast, the show that explores your hard questions on missions, theology, and practice to help goers think and thinkers go. I'm Alex Kochman, Director of Advancement and Communications with ABWE, joined by my co-host Scott Dunford, pastor of Redeemer Church in Fremont, California, here for another episode. This one is timely. It is time sensitive. We're not a news show. We're not a current events driven show, but every once in a while we do talk about events that are current. And Scott, as we sit here today, me on the East Coast and you on the West, uh, we are seeing headlines about uh, increasing tensions between Russia and Ukraine. Of course, that's not new, um, but what's new is potentially the U.S. getting involved. And of course, every time we talk about geopolitical things happening in the world, it's hard not to think about that through a Great Commission lens. Yeah, I mean, we hardly ever in America think about the rest of the world until uh, <laughs> something like this happens. And of course, when a place like the Ukraine is high on most people's thought processes or many people's thought processes, we we here on the missions podcast probably stop and take notice because we know that it affects not just what's happening militarily and politically, but there's a whole gospel work that is uh, yeah. impacted in one way or another in that process. So I'm glad we get a chance to kind of stop and pause and and uh, and discuss that. And we've got a, a special guest joining us who is there on the ground. Do you want to introduce him, Alex? Yes, we uh, would rather hear from those that are on the ground than speculate ourselves. And we want to know exactly what's happening and how we can pray for the church that's there. And so Caleb Suko uh, is a worker in um, in Ukraine. Uh, he's also a pastor and a Bible teacher and ministers among Ukrainians and is reaching people with the gospel. Caleb, good to have you back on the show. It's been a while since we last spoke. Last time I think we had you on was probably two, three years ago about your book on the missionary call. Yes, yes, I think it was. Yeah, I'm really glad to be back on, although not super happy about uh, what's going on in Ukraine and the reason it seems like yeah. Uh, but that being said, it seems like every time, you know, there's something tragic going on or a war or something like that, all of a sudden, you know, if that's happening around where you're serving, it becomes in the spotlight and God does use that in a certain way, too. Mm. So, you know, Ukraine is a, a very interesting place, even just geopolitically and historically, uh, just doing a little bit of digging and just realizing, you know, it's got a long history with the initial Rus settlements there in Kiev, and then right. uh, uh, the Emperor Vladimir kind of establishes capital there, is baptized, and leads this whole people into Russian Orthodox, what becomes Russian Orthodoxy, and then, of course, all the myriad of changes through Catherine the Great, and on into World War One and World War Two, and the fall of the Soviet Union, and all of those kind of things. Fascinating history, unique and interesting ties uh, to Russia. So, you know, we see these two countries have been unique, have been linked for centuries. 
What is the historical connection that as, as it pertains to what's going on right now? Yeah, well, like you said, this goes back centuries. And so I think sometimes it's a little hard for us to wrap our brain around some of those things. And on one hand, it does go back centuries. Uh, on the other hand, there's there's really nothing new. Sometimes these things are just, you know, whatever politically motivated uh, issue there is of the day. Uh, but as we talk about the relationship between Ukraine and Russia, uh, certainly uh, that has gone back for centuries. And uh, the in fact, the, the Rus people came from Kiev. And so that kind of plays into some of what's going on, because sometimes Russia will claim that, well, you know, historically, Ukraine was was Russian. But uh, then, of course, there's a the counterclaim that, no, we were separate people. And so obviously they go back and forth on, on some of those things. And, you know, help, you know, just to understand, there are a lot of people in, I mean, most of the people I know who've lived and worked in Ukraine mm-hmm. learned Russian in order to work there. I know that's changed a lot more recently, but are there a lot of Russian people and Russian speakers still in Ukraine? Certainly there, there are still a lot of Russian speakers. And that was when we came to Ukraine in 2007, that was one question I had as well. And I know we came on a survey trip in 2006 and we were in Kiev, we were in Kharkov and a couple other places. And what I found at that time was, especially in Kharkov, which is eastern Ukraine, closer to the border of Russia, mainly Russian speaking, 90, 95 percent Russian speaking, if not more. Kiev was a little bit mixed. But what we found, and so when we came, we came to Odessa, which Odessa is historically known as a Russian speaking uh, city. And so I began to learn Russian because pretty much everything is done, it, or at that time, especially 2007, every, uh, the common language was Russian here. Uh, we saw a change happen after the war started in 2014. And so Ukraine, especially starting in 2014, is, has very specifically tried to increase the, the influence and the usage of Ukrainian language in Ukraine as a way of setting themselves apart from Russia to say, uh, that, hey, we're, we're not Russians, we're Ukrainians. And one of the reasons they do that is because uh, one of the one of the approaches that Russia has had is say, oh, we have Russian speakers here. We need to go and protect them. And and so so Ukraine has uh, promoted Ukrainian language a lot more. So I do find myself now really sometimes actually struggling a little bit because they're they're similar languages, but I'm not fluent in Ukrainian at all. I can understand maybe uh, maybe 70 percent, 75 percent, depending on who's who's speaking. I can I, I can speak it a little bit. But I just find myself kind of struggling sometimes. And so I've actually tried to take a little bit of Ukrainian so I can also uh, communicate when, when I need to communicate in Ukrainian. And it depends on where you go. Uh, Western Ukraine, obviously, they're going to speak more Ukrainian. Central Ukraine, going to be kind of half and half. But where we are here in Odessa, still a lot of Russian, but Ukrainian is gaining an influence. And, and just one more follow-up around this background, because I think this kind of helps our listeners be able to kind of even understand where you're coming from and in the situation. So you're American, uh, but you are married into into Ukraine too, right? Uh, can you talk a little bit about your family connection and background? Right. Yeah. So my my first trip to Ukraine was actually way back in 1994, uh, and that was actually with ABWE to help uh, set up a training center here in Odessa. Uh, we were just working physically to to build the the facility. And then when I decided to go to Bible college, uh, still after, after high school, 
I decided to go to Bible college, and there I met my my future wife to be, Christina, who had come from Ukraine, ironically, well, in in God's sovereignty, right? And so we we met in fall of 1996, and in uh, spring of 1997 we got married. And so so she's Ukrainian, and and her family, all of her family, live here in Ukraine. In fact, her parents are just about a 10 minute walk from us here. So it's really great for us as as global workers here to have family. I know it's a very unusual thing, but for my kids to have grandparents here, to have an uncle here uh, has, has been a real big blessing for us. Well, let's talk about the situation there on the ground. And the most difficult thing has been nobody knows what's happening. Uh, we, we don't know what will happen, what will be the outcome of this. There have been tensions, of course, for some time between the two countries. But how are people in Odessa dealing with the sheer ambiguity of it, not knowing what's going to happen either way, whether or not war is imminent? Well, I think if you if you talk to the average Ukrainian, you will find that they're not uh, too stressed out about it at this point. Certainly, it is in it is on their radar, uh, but it is not something that they're panicking about. Uh, I, I think I saw a survey recently right here in Odessa. One of the big news channels did a survey: Do you think Russia will invade or not? And something like 30 percent of Odessa said, "Yeah, maybe." And about 70% said, no, I don't think they will invade. Um, and for me, like I've lived here, I lived here during 2014, during much of the time when uh, when they took Crimea and then when later they uh, came into eastern Ukraine. And so there was you know, a lot mm-hmm. of ongoing fighting at that time. During that time, 2014 and 2015, I would say that the anxiety level of your average Ukrainian was much higher than it is right now. And so some of that, I think, of what maybe people perceive that are not here is just because of a lot of what they see on the news. If you look at regular daily life here in Ukraine, what has changed in the last month or two? Nothing, absolutely nothing has changed. So, Mm. and if you compare that 2014 and 15, a lot changed because like 2014, the winter of 2014 and 15, we had... Uh, regular power outages because of the war. We had uh, military checkpoints going in and out of the city. We had uh, almost weekly bombings here in Odessa of of different uh, organizations that were supporting the war effort. Uh, we had in May, uh, it was around 50, 60 people that were killed just in a matter of a couple hours because of conflict between uh, pro-Ukrainian. So we, don't, so we had a lot going on then uh, that was related to the war. But right now, everything that the news is talking about, all of this, you know, military buildup, it's all outside of Ukraine. So we, mm-hmm. we actually, it's, it's all potential. Nothing has actually really changed in Ukraine. That's so interesting because maybe sometimes we watching from a distance might, you know, be a little bit more on pins and needles and to hear just things like life's going on as normal. Although I'm sure there's a, a sense of, of concern and dread and because it will affect people a lot more personally, obviously there. What, what about Christians? Like, I'm sure there's a huge range of responses from the Christian churches. I know you're pretty well connected with, uh, the, the Christian churches there in, in Odessa and probably all around Ukraine. How, how are the churches responding to this? So there has been a response and there's been a coordinated response by churches. Uh, our church is part of the Baptist union here, which is the, the largest union or fellowship of churches with about uh, 2000 churches here in Ukraine. And they uh, they have called for 
uh, well, actually, back in January, they had a week of a prayer and fasting for Ukraine and for peace in Ukraine. And I know the leaders there have put out some information, some videos about um, the, the threat, obviously, of invasion and just being prepared for some of those things. We also, for our church, recently, we just put out a short couple-minute video for our church uh, basically saying, listen, don't panic. Uh, there's there's no danger on the streets. You know, as of now, everything is fine. We're here. Uh, we're not planning to go anywhere right now. We are. We'll, we'll let you know. But do have a plan in place. So it's kind of like, uh, let's wait and see. Uh, let's pray. But let's not panic. But let's have a plan in place. One of the interesting things that we were actually talking about before we had a chance to hit record was that you're not just encountering uh, the the stereotypical Ukrainian, you're also encountering a lot of Muslims and Hindus. And so you're having gospel conversations with Ukrainians and also with with all sorts of people that maybe not even uh, within the, the original range of those that you thought you were called to minister to while you were there. So what are some of the unique opportunities you're having for gospel conversations during this time? Yeah, well, because our church is an international church and because we have our services in English, which is really one of the only churches that do that here in Odessa that does allow us to reach a broader community and, and to, um, to minister to that broader community. And so God has really put into our path, uh, people from all different nations, really. Uh, we have a lot of Africans, West Africans, North Africans, um, and then Middle East, uh, and and also Asians. Most of the Asians are uh, would be from India, Nepal, uh, from from those areas. And so it, it seems unusual and unexpected. And certainly for me, uh, it's not something that we came to Odessa expecting uh, to be a part of. But once we began to minister in this community, we saw that there was a really great need. To minister in in English, which is the international language for for many of these people, that's very fascinating. I think most of Americans probably don't even think about the huge international communities that are in those in those cities and and the ministry that can be done there. Um, so, what are some of the unique ways that uh, that you're seeing churches and, and ministries reach and minister to people in uncertain times? Are you seeing certain kinds of things developing or what opportunities are there? I know in the past we've talked about, or you've written about some unique uh, outreaches and ministry ministers to ministries to those involved in, in the military. Um, wonder, just wondering what other kind of ministries are going on in Ukraine that are maybe unique and special to this particular moment in history. I think that particularly churches that minister with the military and also churches that minister on the front lines in Eastern Ukraine uh, are in a position that is very unique and and very difficult as well. And actually through, through ABWE, we have something called the Ukraine crisis fund that was established, I believe in 2015 to specifically help churches and those ministering in these, these wartime areas. And what I think what a lot of people don't realize is that although this has sort of come up again new in the media, that in eastern Ukraine, people have been dealing with a war since 2014. And it's never really stopped. And still weekly, we have soldiers that die. Uh, they're shooting across those, those front lines. 
And there's churches in those those areas as well. And so that's a, a u- unique opportunity, but also uh, a difficulty because uh, where there's war, there's usually no, it's hard to find any work unless you're a soldier. And that's what I hear so much from these people who are from Donetsk, Lugansk, who are from the front lines of the war, who are churches that are in what we call the gray zone, which is sort of like almost like no man's land where they're, they're within, you know, half a mile of a shooting where each night they can hear actually the more, the mortars exploding or, or the gunfire during the day. And for those churches in those areas, there's still people that are living there. Uh, but the, oftentimes the economy is ruined by the war. And so it makes it a really difficult time for them just economically speaking. Uh, but on the other hand, there's a lot of, there's a lot more spiritual openness because a lot of people see the brevity of life and they are open to, to spiritual things, or they've, they've lost someone because of the war or they've lost, uh, they've lost their livelihood or they lost, uh, maybe their home or something like that. So I'm actually this month, um, planning a trip right now, uh, the, 18th and 19th and 20th of February, I will be in Eastern Ukraine ministering with the churches there. We have a network of about 15 churches that minister on the front line there. And so I try to get out there at least once a year. Uh, We gather them together, as many as we can get together. Uh, It's kind of a little bit hard to get those that are in the Russia separatist area that is controlled by that because um, they're not allowed to come across the front lines of the war. So they have to drive all the way into Russia, up north back into Ukraine, down through Kharkov. And and literally, you know, you've got Donetsk, which is in eastern Ukraine and controlled by Russian separatists. And and like where we're going to be is is literally about 25 miles from there. And for them to go that 25 miles, they have to drive about 800 miles around. Wow. Just mm. because of the fighting. And of course, all those front lines are mined. So, so you can't, you can't just uh-huh. easily go across those, those front lines. Yeah. So there's a, there's a mixture of of responses and tones in Ukraine. There's parts that you're describing the the gray zone and others that are still literally a war zone uh, in in some sense of that term in terms of the danger. Mm-hmm. And then for others in Odessa, it's business as usual. Mm-hmm. So for you and your family, how are you how are you processing this? And and specifically, what what passages of scripture? Because this is the show where we want to combine mission and practice and and theology. Um, what passages of scripture do you cling to? You know, when you're doing your devotions, or are you finding that you can draw comfort from right now? Yeah, I, I think it, it is in a way life as usual, but certainly we watch the news media as well. We're aware of, of what's going on outside of Ukraine's borders. And so certainly sometimes these, these thoughts can cross your mind. You know, everything could change. And that was something that I think before 2014, when people ask, like, do you think Russia would ever attack or something? I would always say, no, I don't see any reason for them to do it. It just seems like there's not, um, they're brother nations, you know, and then, and then everything changed. And, and so certainly that does drive us to, to the scriptures. And one of the things that, that I'm doing right now is as, as all of this has really been coming up in the news really a lot last month in January, um, we want to address that in our church. So in fact, just today I was finishing writing my sermon on Psalm, uh, Psalm 31 and Psalm 31 has this amazing 
uh, statement in it from David in Psalm 31, verse 13, where he says, everyone is saying terror on every side. And I'm just like, oh, man, this is like, this is describing our situation here. Like yeah. this, David experienced this. He knew this. And and yet at the same time, even in that psalm, you kind of catch this idea that that's what everybody's saying, but it might not actually be exactly that way in real life. That mm-hmm. that when everyone says terror on every side, you know, of course, we look at the map of Ukraine and, and they're showing in the news that, okay, Russia's got got uh, troops here and here and here and here and here. And what do we find? Ukraine is surrounded on three sides by Russian troops. We have, uh, what's it called in English? Trans, uh, uh, Transnistria, which is literally 25 miles from us. And there's Russian troops there. You know, a lot of people don't know about that. Uh, and and we can look at that. We're, we're surrounded at least on three sides, right? But he says, but I will trust in the Lord. And so those are the kind of things that cross my mind. And not only cross my mind, but but are going to cross our pulpit uh, in our church because those are the things that we need to hear during times like this. Yeah. What do you What do you say to other other families, um, even maybe the ones you're working with there, just to try to encourage them and keep them focused when when fear inevitably hits? I'm sure it doesn't hit everyone in your family or even everyone in the, your friends' families the same way. Uh, what are some of the other ways that you're finding? Uh, the ability to encourage yourself spiritually, mentally, uh, emotionally, uh, in, in uncertain times. Yeah. I think that there are just even some practical things that we can do. Uh, one of the things that we've done as a team, as, uh, with our ABW team is we actually have a contingency plan. And so that we know if, if this happens, uh, or if we need to leave and all the transport, you know, one of the things that we know is oftentimes, like in Crimea, when it happened, they shut the airport down. Donetsk, when it happened, they shut the airport down. And so one of the things that we're prepared for is if something does happen here, what do we can't get out by by plane? What is our plan? And just that that's like a real practical thing. It doesn't seem very spiritual, but I do think it's biblical to, to, yeah. be, to be wise and to have a plan and to think ahead and to think of a couple of different options. And, and then having that plan... Uh, also gives you a little bit of a, a peace of mind. Uh, although, you know, the, you know, even the best plan, obviously, is, is, is not total security. Uh, we only find that in, in God himself. So one of the things I do tell people is, hey, listen, have a plan. Uh, even as simple, you know, as a simple thing like having a friend in another city that you know, if you need to leave this city, that you could go there and you could at least spend a, a week or two with them. Um, or keeping in contact like we work with a lot of foreigners a lot of internationals here and so we tell a lot of them are young a lot of you know we a lot of people we work with late teens early 20s and we tell them listen keep your parents informed let them know where you are if you're going to travel out of town let them know that you're going to travel out of town and just kind of keep them updated uh, because we know that a lot of those parents are worried as well and so communication is is also an important thing in, in a time like this and and for, from our side, too, you know, one of the things I did recently was called up the, the pastor of our sending church to say, listen, we're OK. We're here. This is what our plan is. If anything happens, just to give that little, you know, assurity to them, too, so that they're in connection with us. So communication, I think, is also an important thing. And then beyond that, of course, turning to the scriptures and, and 
trusting that our God is is greater than any of the political powers that uh, that are at play right now. Well, Caleb, we appreciate you sharing your firsthand perspective, and I think what you share from Psalm 31 there is vital. Um, I also think of Psalm 46, and we know that the final verse of that psalm, um, the final two verses, be still and know that I am God, I'll be exalted in the earth, I'll be exalted among the nations. You know, that's the kind of verse that we traditionally put on a coffee cup or we embroider on a pillow, and yet the verses prior to that are instructive for us. Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. So when nations rage and, and kingdoms totter, mm-hmm. God says, silence, stop, enough. Put down your arms. And what a comfort it is to know that the God that we serve and the God that you're telling others about in Ukraine uh, is the God who brings peace. In fact, he's yeah. the God whose son is the Prince of Peace. And so, Caleb, we really appreciate you joining us today. How can people follow your ministry and get more content from you? Yeah, they can follow us. Uh, we do have a website, sukafamily.org, and you can sign up for our newsletter there as well. So that would be a great thing mm. where they could follow us. Well, then, thank you again. Um, the, we, we appreciate you and your family, and you are being prayed for by the whole ABWE ministry family. And the Missions Podcast is a ministry of ABWE. To learn more, go to missionspodcast.com or you can go to abwe.org slash podcast. Of course, this show is sustained because of your generosity. Go to missionspodcast.com slash support. And that enables us to continue to spread the word and help goers think and thinkers go. You can also remember to subscribe to the podcast to get updated. And remember to leave a positive review and a five-star rating in your podcast platform of choice. That helps us get this content in front of others who can be blessed by it. And until next week, thank you for listening.